Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Gotta love quandary? Head to my website, shallonlester.com, to get connected, and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it, and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO, and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. So before we get into our podcast, let's do our little ritual, all right? Let's just relax our minds so that we can receive the message. Let's try to drop into a little bit of mindfulness, try to shut the world out a little bit, and join the Shallantourage, all right? So we're going to inhale through the nose, and out through the mouth. One more time. In and out. And we're just going to take our tongue off the roof of our mouth. We're going to drop our shoulders. We're going to breathe into our belly and just let that tension go because you can't separate the mind from the body. It's all working together. Okay, so now that we're a little relaxed, let's go to the bedroom. That's right. We've got a sex question from a Shaliner. So our first question Amy said, so, Shallon, I've been seeing this guy for almost a month. We met on Hinge and he asked me out after two days. So far, everything is great. We've been on a few dates. He's talking about the future, meeting friends, family, etc. We haven't had sex, but we've talked about it. He was open that he's actually very vanilla in the bedroom and that that's one of the big reasons his last relationship ended. Like you, me, I was a virgin until I was 21 and I have a very high sex drive. So is that something that can change? Can I really see a relationship with this guy? I don't want sex to be the reason that it doesn't work. Okay, so I'm a big believer in don't make something a problem until it is a problem. Like what you're doing right now is living completely in the future and that's never good to do with a relationship, good or bad. Like we all go out on like one or two great dates and then we find ourselves like, projecting into the future. We're Mrs. Shallon so-and-so, like writing their name in our notebook and dreaming about the wedding, dreaming about meeting the family. It's really important to stay present, you know, and that works on the flip side. We can't be super negative in, you know, in the same way, be the opposite end of the same spectrum where we're like, this is going to be a disaster. This is going to be the biggest problem. Like, who knows? Vanilla could mean very different things to both of you, you know, like who knows his last girlfriend could have been like whips and chains and anal and three ways and this and that. Now there's anything wrong with that. But if that's not his style, she could have made him feel like whatever his style is, is like deficient. So you never know. And like, yes, sex is important in a relationship. It is. Do not underestimate that. Sex and that chemistry and that connection truly is the glue that holds you together as a couple. Because if you don't have that, Number one, you're going to have cheating, right? And you're basically just best friends. And you're basically an on-paper relationship. Like, you have to have all components. Intimacy, trust, and lust, basically. But sex also comes down to chemistry and connection. It doesn't come down to, like, like basic skill. You know, I mean, it does. Like, you, it's hard to have good sex with someone who is, like, very bad at what they're doing. But it's also like you kind of work with it and you overlook it and you teach and you grow together and you have those honest conversations because it's worth it, of course. So focus on that. Focus on the connection that you have and not like the actual act itself. But here's something else. The red flag I see in here is not that like he says he's vanilla in bed. It's that number one, that he's told you this. I don't know any guy who when he's trying to impress a girl leads 
with his sexual shortcomings. Not one. Think about that from an animal kingdom point of view. You know I love to go back to what what makes sense in the animal kingdom. Mateability is everything. That's why lions have the mane. They want to look bigger. They want to look more ferocious. The loudest roar wins. Same with tusks on an elephant. Look at this big ass tusk, girls, right? We look something big and long in a man too. So I don't know why a man would put that out in front before he's even had sex with you. And I'm also, number two, concerned about his future forecasting. The fact that you guys have only been on a few dates and he's always already talking about like meeting the family, meeting the friends, blah, blah, blah. This is like, he's jumping ahead. And I wonder if he's doing this to like bamboozle you and to get you addicted and also thinking about the future so that when you guys do sleep together and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, it's not that he's vanilla in bed. It's that he has a micro penis. It's that he can't get it up. It's that he comes in four seconds. Like when there's something actually wrong, like those are actual problems, then he's got his hooks in you so bad you feel like you can't leave because, hey, we've already talked about the future. We've already created the myth of our relationship. How could you turn around and leave? Are you so petty that the sex is going to be the thing that makes you leave? Uh, Yeah, bitch, I am. I am. Because like I said, it's the glue. It's the glue. It's not, I mean, glue only works if there's things to glue onto, right? But (laughs) it's kind of crucial. So I would pump the brakes on this. I would not believe what he's saying. You know, guys talk about the future all the time with absolutely zero intent on execution. Or or it's like sometimes they're just like a kid sitting behind the wheel of a car. Toot, toot, they're wobbling the wheel. But they don't know what to do if someone turned that car on and let them drive. And I think guys can be really, really reckless with that. Like they don't understand what that kind of talk means to a woman. And so if he is either reckless or manipulative, this is something you need to be evaluating as neutrally as possible. So completely put that out of your mind, right? And I would sleep with him almost like sooner rather than later. And you know, I never say that, but like find out what's going on beneath the surface and beneath the sheets. Cause it really might not be something that you like. Okay. So now we're talking about bullies at work. Hey, Shannon. I've had some admin jobs and the situation has stuck with me because I feel like I haven't developed strategies and habits to have a different outcome in the future and really advance my career. I'm a cooperative person, not competitive, but I stay silent and professional and like that kind of hasn't worked for me in terms of the office bitches and the office bullies. And I'd like advice on how to remain professional without resorting to like flinging the shit back at them. You know what I mean? I know my rights and I want to know what I can do. Cold demeanor, double standards, talking shit behind my back, then like it's really wearing on me and I feel like there's all these underhanded things going on and I need to know how to combat that. So as we learned in Evil Week, bullies respond to strength. And the reason these people are targeting you is because you aren't responding. And look, I'm not saying that like response is always the number one thing. Many, many, many times non-action is the action. But to me, I don't, I don't play like that in terms of my professional relationship. Like if you're just some girl at a bar and you're chirping me, okay. If you're some girl in like my group of friends or my social scene and you don't like me, I could give a shit. You come for my money? You come to my professional house and you rat in my cage? You're going to get a different challenge. So like, I think you need to exert your power. And 
People like this, they're like a drug addict who needs a fix. They're weak and they feel like somehow in their life, they don't have the power that they want. And so they're going to look for power from other sources, cold-blooded animal, right? So they're coming to you because you're an easy target. They can clap at you, they can chirp, they can lie, they can spread rumors, and you're not going to do shit about it, right? So it's time to stand up for yourself. So you have to let people like this know you are not the one, okay? True strength is quiet, and it's not them getting down in the trenches or being a huge dramatic bitch. Like it's, you can, you can show your power without stooping to their level. And here's how you do it. You call them out. I'm a big believer in a little bit of shame. Well, maybe a lot of shame and maybe a lot of public humiliation. So stuff like, hey, Amanda, could you repeat what it is you just said under your breath? You know, yeah, here in the meeting, can you just repeat that for me? Because it sounded like you said I was incompetent. So if that's your position, I would like for you to defend it in front of everyone. <gasps> She's, Amanda's not going to like that. Because again, they want the easy target. They're not saying these things and they're not doing these things because they have a bunch of evidence to support it. They're doing it because they just want that ego boost, that ego fix. So if you let them know that 100 times out of 100, X behavior yields Y result, they're gonna stop doing it. It's like training a dog or a child or like a dolphin that works for the Navy. You know what I mean? Anything can be trained and what we permit, we promote. We're teaching people how to treat us every minute of every day. And so based on results, she's allowed to treat you like this, right? You don't do anything. So it's really unfair and it's difficult to say, hey, maybe I have a hand in how people are treating me. But at the end of the day, if we notice a pattern, we have to kind of think that way. So you keep calling them out and don't, first of all, don't pull them aside and talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. Nope. Because you might see that as a collaborative thing. Like, Hey, I just really want to work this out. They're going to see that. That's going to be a, a red flag to a bull. They're going to be like, Oh, now I know about you. Now I know that you're kind of weak. And now I know, bitch, you're afraid of me. No one's afraid of you, Amanda. So you have to make this public. And yeah, you can go in the bathroom afterwards and have a complete panic attack, taken out of him beforehand if you need to. But it's important you display that strength because it's got to be the vibe of this is my territory. Notice when I talk about things, when I talk about myself, I say, this is my house. I use the example of territory because wars are fought over land. And you come on my land and we've got a war now. You come to my physical house and try to get in. We've got a war. You come to my professional house. We got a war. So they need to know where your property line begins and ends. And that's how you show them. And no, it's going to be fun. Best case scenario. I'm sorry. No, it's not going to be fun. <laughs> Best case scenario, they're going to back off and they're going to be embarrassed and they're going to switch gears and they're going to find a new target. Worst case scenario, they're going to lash out. They're going to ramp up the rumors, the lying, you know, the stupid shit. Let them. They are going to implode because all they're going to do is show everyone around, demonstrate to them that they're clowns. They're clowns. What do we say in Evil Week when we talk about war? You lie in the tall grass and you draw the enemy out because the more they lash out, the more you learn about them and they don't know anything else about you right? So you got to call them out, keep calling them out. And the more hysterical and frenzied they get, it's like, this is just yielding interest for you. Like this is just paying off. And just with one little push, they've revealed their true colors. And that's how you win this war. It might take a minute, but it does work.
Also, like I say, map out what they might do and then decide your responses to that. If they say something to your boss, maybe preempt that. Go to your boss and be like, hey, I'm having a real issue with fucking Amanda and accounts payable and get out in front of it. But if not, come up with a game plan of what, again, X behavior yields Y result and stick to that like glue. It might take a minute to change, but it will happen. Okay, so Coco submitted this question. Hi, Shallon. So what should I do when my mother won't set boundaries with my endlessly problematic, dramatic sister? She's most recently causing my mother grief over her decision not to vaccinate her baby daughter. I mean, get a goddamn vaccine. What is the matter with people? Do you wear shoes when you go out? Probably. Do you wash your hands? Probably. Like, do you smoke cigarettes when you're pregnant? Oh wait, no, why? Because a doctor says you shouldn't? Well, apparently you don't think a doctor's right. So why don't you like let your kids eat dog shit off the ground? The whole anti-vax thing is so, it's just logically flawed. Also, you're afraid your kid's gonna be autistic? Sorry, that's not the worst thing that can happen to a child. You think measles is literally better than being autistic? They can go blind from the measles. Okay, we're back, we're back. <clears throat> And my mother calls me in the morning because she's cried all night stressing out about it after returning from visiting my sister. My mom's a nurse, she's 68, and she's at a loss over what to do. She's optimistic because my sister keeps like shining her on and saying she'll eventually get her daughter vaccinated, but it just feeds my resentment that my mother is too distracted to notice me because I'm not a train wreck. What do I do? Oh, it's stuff like this that makes me so glad I don't have siblings. Like I'm mostly glad I don't have siblings. I love being an only child, but this, this I'm like, yeah, but man, this is a lot to deal with because it's just a lot. It's horrible to see your mom in pain. And it's also horrible to feel slighted in the process. It's like, it's a double wound. Like you need this to end for so many reasons, but I think that is how you approach it with like a heaping dose of some tough love. So this is a script, right? We're gonna read it. Mama, I love you and I need you to pause for a moment and think of how you would feel if I called you this upset this often. It would break your heart and it's breaking mine. You'd feel frustrated and you would feel powerless and that is how I feel as well. But there's also the element of our relationship that's suffering. I feel like I'm on the back burner and overlooked because all of your attention is going to my sister. I need my mama too. So I don't want to hear about this situation anymore. I think you need to put up some healthy boundaries with her for your own good, for her own good, because she does have the right to parent however she wants, even if it's wrong, that's Shallon's note. But I also need to do the same with the situation. And then you refuse to entertain this subject anymore, right? It's going to be difficult, but if she's crying as hard as this is going to be, you've got to say, mama, we've talked about this, okay? I can't hear this anymore. Call me later when you're feeling better. And this might be the splash of cold water that she needs because she is getting an emotional payout from this. On some level, your mom's a bit of a control freak. She still thinks of your sister as an extension of her, not as her own autonomous adult, which is a parent's lot in life. You know, who, who stops thinking of their child as like part of them? And she thinks that she has the right to tell your sister what to do, even though multiple medical professionals have told her, whatever, that's fine, doesn't matter doesn't matter. So that hopefully is going to knock some sense into her and be like, hey, 
People are stepping back from you because you are stepping forward into drama. And she's also, like I said, she's getting this emotional payout. Maybe it's a tension. Maybe she just gets to like release all of this angst or emotion that she's feeling and it's like acceptable. Maybe she's trying to exert control. Who knows? It doesn't matter. You don't have to be part of that. You don't have to fix this for her. You don't have to fix it for your sister. You have to protect yourself. Set your standards of what you need in terms of love and interaction and peace in your life and stick to it. Because what do we always talk about? Boundaries do not exist to make someone happy who's on the outside of them. They exist to keep the people inside safe. And the people who are going to be pissed off at your boundaries are the people who benefited from you having none. So now we're going to talk about something so many of us have experienced, the ick. So this young lady says, I've been dating this guy for two months. Everything went really great until we went on a trip for three days and I started questioning my feelings, like losing attraction for him. Why am I having this sudden shift in my thoughts? Is it a sign that I didn't really like him in the first place? I think I should end it because I want to prioritize my own happiness. You know, I'm 22. I don't have much experience with dating. So my question is, should this not happen with the right person? Like, is it normal to go back and forth on a guy if I want to be with him? Is it normal for the attraction to fade in and out? Some days I'm thinking I want to be together, but other days I'm not. Help! So I'm a big fan of Bridget Jones' Diary. Only the first one, not like the two subsequent books and movies because they were absolute trash. But when she goes away with like Daniel, she's like, a mini break means true love. And I was like, oh, that's so true. Like going away with the guy like on a mini break, like two days or three days, it really pushes your relationship hyperdrive down the path it was already headed, you know? And so many of us have experienced this. We think we like a guy, we go to like, a cabin in the woods, and then it's like, I'm going to murder you. This is going to be a horror movie, and I am actually the killer for once. Or you go away, and it's like, I'm obsessed with you. I can't even breathe. You have sex all weekend. It's incredible. And I think, like, it's okay to let that play out. And it's it's disheartening when things are going well, and then they shift, and you don't really have an explanation why. But what you do have, you have the ick. You have the ick. So what is the ick? I've talked about the ick before. I really should trademark this because the ick is that feeling of just blech, blech, that you get when you're with someone you're not attracted to. It's like, don't touch me with those fingers. Like literally if I had the ick for a guy, I can't even look at him. I can't. I can't make eye contact. I'm just like, I can't bear it. And the ick is not an ugly person's disease. I've had the ick for very attractive guys. Very, very, very attractive. It's, you get the ick when something simply isn't connecting. Maybe the chemistry isn't there, but it's our gut instinct saying, no, no thank you. And we as women are taught, hey, don't you dare turn down a guy who likes you. Who gives a shit that he makes you want to throw up? Who gives a shit that he has no ambition? Like, we are taught to take whatever we can get. Beggar mentality. And we are not beggars, we are queens. We are. We create life in our body. How does that equate to, I'll take whatever I can get, it doesn't matter. No, we have to stop that immediately. And we stop that on the macro by voting for people who are going to protect our interests, but on the micro in our own life by expelling people from our lives who simply aren't fitting. And like I said, it's not an ugly person's disease. And it's not like he's doing something to precipitate this. I've never gotten the ick for a guy who did anything to deserve it. You know, never. 
Oh, God, as I'm sitting here, I wonder who's had the ick from me. Ugh, that's a horrifying thought. Nobody. Let's just, I, I can't handle it emotionally. Nobody. So if you don't get out, the ick will kill you both, basically. Like, it will emotionally ruin you both. What's going to happen is you'll start to get mean. Because you are in a situation with all this cognitive dissonance. You don't want to be there, but you feel like you should want to be there, but you don't, and blah, blah, blah. So you have this tension, this war going on inside of you. He is completely confused about why this is happening, why suddenly this girl is, like, disgusted if I ask her if she wants, like, still or sparkling water at dinner. And, like, where does that get either person? Relationships are supposed to be fun. They are supposed to be happy. You're supposed to be able to make eye contact, right? And if you can't, it's okay to call the ball. It's not even just okay, you gotta do it. Because an ick, the ick is a cancer. It doesn't ever get better. It doesn't ever, ever go away. It only gets worse. Until, yeah, you're mean, he's confused, he's hurt, you feel guilty. What's that worth? So, look, dating is data. Dating is data. I like to think that that's the root word. You went on a vacation. You spent a concentrated amount of time together. You gut level, gut level, which is the only level that matters, decided this is not for me. You have to listen to that. You have to honor that voice. Even if society tells you it's wrong, even if everything on paper says that it doesn't make sense, it doesn't have to make sense to anything but your instincts. Go with it. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Chalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage. <laughs>